Lord, our desire just now is that you would speak to us. Even if what you have to say to us is challenging, even if what you say to us is unsettling, Lord, we pray that we would hear your voice. Speak to us, we pray this morning, through your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had the awful experience of recognizing that something that you thought was genuine was actually fake? Maybe you've been into a shop and you've gone and you've bought a loaf of bread and you've handed over the 20-pound note, the crumpled 20-pound note from your wallet, and you give it to the cashier and she marks it with one of those little pens. And then she looks at you and she says, I'm, I'm really sorry, but this is a fake. It's a horrible feeling, isn't it? Or maybe you've bought a designer handbag off eBay or somewhere like that and, and you looked at the pictures online and it looked like the genuine article. The person selling it said it was real and you forked out a hundred quid for it and it arrives in the post and you unwrap it so excited about your new lovely designer handbag. But on closer inspection, you realize it's a fake and you have that sick feeling in your stomach. Have you ever had that experience? Something you thought was genuine, the real deal, turns out to be counterfeit or a fake. It's not easy to tell the difference, is it, sometimes? It's not easy when when you look at a genuine article and a fake article. It's not easy sometimes to tell the difference. Just think of the amount of paintings that have been sold for millions of pounds across the world that have turned out to be phonies. The genuine article and a counterfeit so often look the same. And yet they're not. They're different on closer inspection. One of the troubling things that the Bible shows us and that the Bible tells us is that it's possible to be a counterfeit Christian. It's possible to be a phony disciple of Jesus. One of the challenging things that the Bible shows us and tells us is that it's possible to look like a follower of Jesus and not be. It's possible to sound like a Christian and not be. It's possible to claim to be a Christian and not be. It's possible to do all of the religious things that Christians do, to pray, to go to church, to to read your Bible, to, to go through all of the motions, but not really be a Christian. One of the frightening things, the challenging things, the things that disturbs us is that the Bible shows us and tells us that it's possible to be a counterfeit Christian. And we see that most plainly in Judas, don't we? We all know Judas. Even people who haven't read the Bible know Judas. He is the one who looked like a follower of Jesus, who looked like a dedicated disciple, but at the end of the day betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Just think about Judas. For three years, wherever Jesus went, Judas went. Think about Judas. Every single word that Jesus preached, Judas listened to. He took in. He heard. Every public appearance that Jesus made, there was Judas right beside him as one of the twelve. To everyone, Judas looked like the real deal. He looked like the genuine article. In Matthew chapter 10, we even find out that Judas went out on mission in Jesus' name. 
Jesus called the 12 disciples to him and he says, go out into there, into these villages and these towns and tell people about the kingdom of God. And you know what, guys? To show that this message is true, I'm going to give you the ability to do miracles. You'll be able to heal the sick. You'll be able to raise the dead. You'll be able to do these amazing things in my name to show that this message you're preaching is true. And Judas was one of these men out there telling people about Jesus, healing the sick, maybe even raising the dead, serving Jesus. He looked like the genuine article. He looked like all the other 11. He looked like the real deal. But whenever you look at him with a magnifying glass, when you look at his hidden life, when you look at the life of Judas not seen in public, we recognize that he's a counterfeit. We recognize it before he even betrays Jesus. John was one of Jesus' disciples, and John wrote the fourth gospel. And there's one encounter that John tells us about where, where Mary got oil and she, she poured this perfume and she poured it on Jesus' feet and it was expensive. And Judas, John tells us, got really annoyed, really angry about this. What's she pouring the perfume on Jesus' feet for? And John tells us that he gave a very religious sounding reason for being annoyed. That money, he says, it could have been, it could have been that, that perfume could have been sold and the money could be used to spend on the poor. But listen to what John tells us. John says this, Judas did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. He appeared to be a follower of Jesus, but whenever the magnifying glass was put on his life, we find that throughout his three years following Jesus, he was doing it for his own good. He was doing it for his own benefit. He was doing it to line his own pockets. He didn't care much for Jesus. He didn't have much love for Christ. This was just all for himself. He was a phony. He was a fake. But he looked like the real thing. And it was only whenever he betrayed Jesus that it was seen by everybody. It was only in the, in the last moments that we find recorded about Judas's life that we see he was not the real deal. Judas shows us, doesn't he, that it's possible to, to look like a follower of Jesus, to, to look like the genuine article, to look like everyone else, but to not really be a Christian, to be a counterfeit. But the Bible doesn't just show us this. The Lord Jesus, at the end of Matthew chapter 7, he, he tells us this very, very clearly. He tells us this with very challenging, thought-provoking, piercing words. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, we, we read it a moment or two ago, Jesus highlights to those listening to him that it's possible to look like a Christian but not really be one. And what he does at the end of Matthew chapter 7, which is what we're going to look at this morning, is that Jesus highlights the difference between the two. He highlights what marks out a genuine Christian from a counterfeit one, a true disciple from a fake one. And this morning we're going to see that Jesus highlights three things. First of all, he highlights that a genuine Christian doesn't just say Jesus is Lord, 
but they also do the will of the Father. We're going to see that first. Then we're going to see that Jesus says that a genuine Christian doesn't just serve Jesus, but is also known by Jesus. That's the second thing. And thirdly, we're going to see that a genuine Christian doesn't just listen to Jesus' words, but he also puts them into practice. This morning, you may be challenged. This morning, you may be a little unsettled by what Jesus says. But the good news is, that's what he's aiming to do. This morning, the Lord Jesus, as we look at his words, wants us to consider our lives. He wants us to consider our hearts. He wants us to consider our actions. He wants us to test our own faith. So this morning, as we look at his words, consider your life as we think about them. So let's look at this first thing. Jesus, first of all, says that a genuine disciple doesn't just say that Jesus is Lord, but also does the will of the Father. And we see that really clearly in verse 21. Take a look at verse 21 with me. Look at these words. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Do you see what Jesus does there? First of all, Jesus takes us and he puts us in a time machine. And he takes us into the future. He takes us to the very last day, the day of judgment. He takes us into the future when everyone will come and stand before him. He takes us into the future when everyone will find out from him what their eternal destination is. And look what he says in the first half of verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. What's Jesus getting at there? He's getting at that our words are not enough. Our words are not enough. We know that to become a Christian, words are really important, don't we? To become a Christian, we we confess our sin to God. We confess our need of a forgiver. We, We confess that we're trusting Christ. We confess that we're repenting. Our words are so important. We need words to become a Christian. And our words that are important in the Christian life, we're to admit that we're Christ's followers. We're not to deny him publicly. Our words are really, really important. But according to Jesus, words are not enough. They're not enough. Jesus says, just because you claim to be a Christian, it doesn't mean you are. Just because you're prepared to say, I am the Lord, it doesn't mean you are. Jesus says, there'll be many people on that day who've said, Lord, Lord. They've called him Lord in their life, but they won't enter the kingdom of heaven. So if words are not enough, if words are not the evidence of true saving faith, what is the evidence of saving faith? Well, the evidence is not just these words which we need, but the evidence is also action. The evidence that someone is a genuine Christian is not just that they say they are, but that they act as a Christian, that they live as a Christian, that their lives are different because of their faith. In particular, a Christian does the Father's will. 
Again, have a look at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Do you see it there? The mark of a true Christian is not just words, but it's that they do the Father's will. It's not just that they say they're a Christian, but they live God's way in their life. The evidence of saving faith is action. The evidence of saving faith is action. Now, don't mishear me here. Do not think that I'm saying salvation is by works and obedience. It's not. We're saved by by faith alone, in Christ alone, through grace alone. That is how we're saved. But the evidence that we're saved is action. Martin Luther, someone who was a reformer and knew this idea that we're saved by grace, put it this way. He said, we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. We're saved by faith alone, but saving faith is never alone. This morning, are you a Christian? And if you say yes to that question, what are you relying on? What is the evidence that's giving you assurance? This morning, if it's just because you've prayed a prayer one time, this morning, if it's just because you've said you believe, if it's just because you claim to be a Christian, that is shaky evidence. The mark of genuine faith is that they do the Father's will. We don't do it perfectly. We're all flawed people. But let me ask you a question this morning. Is there a desire to obey God? Is there a desire to live His way? Whenever you're at home, whenever you're in work, whenever you're in the private life where no one else sees you, do you live your life God's way? Because according to Jesus, that is evidence of genuine faith. Does that comfort you this morning or does it challenge you? Let's move on to the next thing that Jesus says. Jesus says the second thing is that genuine faith, a genuine Christian doesn't just serve Jesus, but is also known by Jesus. Doesn't just serve Jesus, but is also known by Jesus. Serving Jesus is great. I have the best job in the whole world bar none. I love being a minister. This is the the greatest privilege and greatest joy. It is fantastic to serve Jesus. And I know that many of you here serve him too. You serve him by singing in the choir. You serve him by playing music. You serve him by by teaching Sunday school. You serve him by doing mums and tots. You serve him in a million different ways. You people are so servant-hearted. You're fantastic. You're incredible. I I am blown away by how well and how willingly and how much you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. You're brilliant, and I mean that. But one of the dangers with serving Jesus, one of the dangers of being involved in ministry, of of teaching children Sunday school, of all of those things, is that you can come to think that your service is what will save you. You can come to think that because you serve Jesus on the day of judgment, that, that will be the thing you'll rely on and you'll turn to him and you'll say, well, listen, I did all this stuff, so, so surely, you know, I must be one of your people. 
But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says that, that a mark of a genuine Christian is not just that you serve Jesus, but that you know him and you're known by him. Have a look at verses 22 to 23. And again, these are challenging, challenging words, but, but have a look at these words together. Listen to these words of Jesus. He takes us to judgment day and he says this, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not speak in your name, Lord? And in your name drive out demons and perform miracles? Lord, Lord, look, we did all this stuff for you, didn't we? We, we did all this miraculous stuff, this amazing stuff. We, we preached in your name and we did miracles and, and we drove out demons, Lord. Surely we're saved. We, we did all this stuff for you, Lord. Listen to verse 23. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me. Leave me. I don't know you. This morning, it is possible to, to serve Jesus. It's possible to be involved in, in doing many brilliant things in church. But Jesus says we, we need to know him. We need to be known by him. The mark of a genuine Christian, the mark of saving faith is not just that we serve him, but that we know him. Do you find that comforting or challenging this morning? This morning, maybe you, you tell children about Jesus and, and how they can have a relationship with him, but maybe you don't have that relationship with, yourself, with him yourself. Maybe you teach children how, how to pray, but, but maybe you have no prayer life because you don't know the Lord. Jesus says that, that a mark of a genuine disciple is not just that they serve me, but that I know them, I, I have this relationship with them, that they know me. You find that challenging? Or do you find that comforting? Let's move on to our last thing. The last thing the Lord Jesus says is that a genuine disciple doesn't just hear, doesn't just listen to Jesus' words, but a genuine disciple hears and puts them into practice. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. What's the next bit? And the rain came tumbling down. And this is such a lovely children's song, isn't it? This is a, a Sunday school favorite story to teach, isn't it? The, the parable of the, the wise man and the foolish man and, and they built their houses and the rain came and, and the house on the solid foundation, it stood strong and the rain came and the house on the sand, it, it collapsed and it's this brilliant story with these brilliant pictures and we sing it and, and we teach our children it. But this is a tragic, tragic picture. Do you see the tragedy of it? The house collapses, and I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but the man is in his house when it collapses. The story is saying, Jesus is saying that, that for someone to hear his words and not do them, it ends in devastation. It ends in collapse. It ends in ruin. 
But the man who, who hears his words and does them, who, who puts them into practice, he is the man who's saved when the storm of judgment comes. And what Jesus is saying through this story that we, we love to sing about and teach children about is actually very serious. He's saying that the, the only one who is saved is the person who hears my words and then does something in light of them. But the one who hears what I say and, and doesn't practice it and doesn't live differently in light of it, he should be expecting this devastation when the storm of judgment comes. And you see that. You see it so clearly in the text. Take a look at verse 24. You see what this is about. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Do you see it there? Who hears my words and does them, that is the wise person. That is the genuine Christian. That is the one who on the day of judgment, when the storm of judgment comes, will stand. But then look at verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, he's the foolish man who built his house on the stand. The one who heard and did nothing. The one who heard and didn't put into practice. The genuine Christian doesn't just hear the words of Jesus, but he does something in light of them. And again, we're never going to obey Jesus perfectly. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying you must obey me perfectly. You must put every single thing I say into perfect action. He's not saying that. But what he is saying, he's saying that if you have heard my words, if you've heard what I have said and, and you don't actually take them seriously and you don't live in light of them, you're not a genuine believer. Because the genuine Christian hears and knowing that I am their Lord, he does. He lives differently in light of them. What does Jesus tell us to do? Well, he tells us to come to him for a start, doesn't he? He tells us to trust him for forgiveness. He tells us to rely on him for our salvation. And then he tells us to live with him as Lord. And, and in the Sermon on the Mount, that's what we've been seeing all of these things of what it looks like to make Jesus Lord care for the poor, to, to love your enemy, to pray, to give, all of these things. And all of you have heard these things. All of you come here week by week and, and you listen to what the Lord Jesus says through his word. But Jesus says the mark of a genuine Christian is that they, they go out these doors and they think about what that means for their life. This morning, does that comfort you? Or this morning, does that challenge you? Just like counterfeit cash, counterfeit handbags, counterfeit paintings, Jesus says to us this morning that on the day of judgment, there will be people who stand before him thinking they are genuine Christians and they will hear the devastating words, I never knew you, depart from me. And maybe you're here this morning and you find this deeply, deeply unsettling. Maybe just now as you sit here listening, it's, it's really causing you to think about your own life. Maybe as you sit here this morning, you're, you're questioning, am I a genuine Christian or am I a counterfeit one? 
Maybe that question is running through your mind just now. Well, that's good because that's exactly Jesus' intention. He wants everyone listening to these words of his to consider their walk with him, to consider their Christianity. He wants us to think about our own faith. He wants us to examine our lives in light of what he said. And he wants us to do that because he loves us. Do you know what the Lord Jesus doesn't want for you? For you sitting here this morning, do you know what he doesn't want for you? And do you know what I as your pastor do not want for you? I do not want you to turn up on that day and stand before him and have the horror of realizing that the Christianity you had in your wallet was fake. I don't want that for you. The Lord Jesus does not want that for us. And that's why he tells us these things. One of the problems with a fake 20-pound note is that you can't turn it into a real one. Sure, you can't. Nothing you can do. One of the problems with getting a fake mulberry bag off eBay is that you can't turn it into a genuine mulberry bag. One of the problems with buying a lovely, beautiful fake painting by a famous artist is that you cannot turn it into a genuine one. But you see, this morning, this morning if you're here and and you're a counterfeit Christian, the great news is you can become a real one. The great news is you can be transformed into a genuine believer. You can actually have real saving faith because that's what Jesus invites us to. This morning, if you're a counterfeit Christian, I want to encourage you to to run to Jesus and to confess to him that you are. Confess to him that you've been playing church or playing morality or playing religion and that you're tired of playing and that you want him, that you want forgiveness, that you want to be filled with his spirit, that you want a new life, that you want transformation. Folks, if you're here this morning and and you're a counterfeit Christian, run to Jesus, run to him, and become a true, genuine believer. I hope that none of you on that day stand before him, saying to him, Lord, 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 look at all we did for you. I hope none of you have that experience of him turning to you and saying, I never knew you. Come to him. Get to know him. Be transformed by him. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you that even though we come to parts of the Bible that are extremely challenging, extremely difficult for a number of reasons, you speak to us through them. And Lord, we thank you for for these words of Christ that have penetrated our hearts and our thoughts and our minds and our lives. And Lord, as we leave here today, may those words ring in our ears. May we think upon these things all week. And Lord, for some of us here, bring us to true, genuine, saving faith. 
a faith that transforms. Lord, thank you for your word. Use it as you will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.